Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Wench Bench, where friends sit and talk about fabulous fictional females and how their stories have influenced us throughout our lives. My name is Allison. And my name is Fonda. We are not experts on the topics that we present, nor are we professionals. The views information, and opinions expressed during the Wench Bench podcast are solely of the co-hosts. Today, Fonda is going to be talking about Kitty Pride. <gasps> yes, I am, and I'm so very excited. So I'm going to start out with doing like basic facts about Kitty Pride before I get into the reasons that I really like her as a character and what I think resonates with me as a person and maybe other people so first things first is she's from earth 616 and as we know marvel has multiple earths yes well as we know our our listeners might not know (laughs) as marvel enthusiasts would know there are multiple earths Mm -hmm. if you're new to marvel you're probably just learning that her hero name is shadow cat um that's what i kind of knew of her going into a lot of younger TV shows, I didn't really know that her actual name was like Kitty Pride, and if someone called her Kitty, I just thought it was because of her hero name, not because it was her actual name. Okay. She's Jewish. Hmm. I know. That one I didn't know. She also has an alien dragon companion. Yes. And his name... I know. His name is Lockhead. (laughs) And then, in terms of like her abilities for her superpowers she has like phasing and intangibility so basically she can pass through solid matter and objects by phasing her atoms through the spaces between other atoms which sounds very scientific and I'm not going to dive into anything further in regards to to that but I think she can do it a lot more than just like randomly phasing like through practice she learned to phase other objects besides herself as a person Um, she also has telepathic resistance apparently most recently in the comics Katie Pride has gained the power to phase through different planes of existence holy shit (laughs) I know I'm just like (laughs) outside of that she is a master martial artist she is also a genius computer expert and lastly she is really weak to mystical attacks so anything that's like magic related she's really weak to yeah so those are all the basics about her character in terms of like her superpower abilities like little basic things just to get all of that Hublub out of the way because I think it, it'll be important for other things I talk about. On to why I really, really like her. What I like most about Kitty is how much she has grown and matured and became one of my favorites in terms of Marvel characters over time. When I first started watching, do you remember the old school X-Men TV show? I do. So I remember that was my first introduction to her Mm -hmm. and she was kind of like this like whiny preppy girl and at first I didn't connect with her. I connected more with like Rogue and a couple other people from that show but it wasn't until I oh my goodness I think I was like 
18 and I decided to just rewatch it because I'm like, nostalgia trip, let's do it. We and, also just rewatched <laughs> it, so right? I know the feel, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and so when I was rewatching it, I was like, damn, okay, no, like she's actually not this whiny, generic female character that's just there to be a part of a girl's group. She actually, throughout the series, kind of matured a little bit. She became more comfortable, I think, speaking her mind Mm -hmm. instead of just sort of letting Jean Grey or someone else tell her what to do because she was, like, older in that TV show or just, like, following along with what anyone else had to do. I noticed that she started to, like, make decisions more for herself, and I could respect that because I could only imagine being a part of a superhero school. You probably have power dynamics there and you're trying to figure out what the crap you need to do and what you don't need to do yes do you think that kind of resonated a little bit with you as a teen girl trying to find her own place in the world yeah and not so much in a way where it was like I wasn't like other girls like not like that yeah. old thing that I think many of us that are now like millennials quote-unquote used to say like I'm not like other girls but I think what resonated with me was the fact that I was trying to figure out who I was outside my family and not like have my family sort of make certain decisions for me. And I think that led to me being able to choose my friend groups and choose what I wanted to do. So I think that led into like my not so rebellious, rebellious phase because I didn't really (laughs) rebel, but I think I just sort of like, I didn't go to church and my parents weren't necessarily happy about that, but I was like, (laughs) no. I don't want to. So I think her testing her power dynamics in a family, which like the school was her family, Mm -hmm. made me sort of like test the power dynamics within my family, which maybe my mom didn't like, but... Yeah, you know, (laughs) I don't think teenage girls are ever really supposed to get along with their parents, but... No. No. Back to other reasons I like her mm-hmm. now. Not that I knew this when I first started getting into Katie Pride, but she started out as being like the third. She was thirteen. She was like one of the youngest team members that started to actively go on missions in like the old comics and the TV shows. I couldn't picture a thirteen-year-old doing that. So the fact that she like <laughs> kicked butt and took some name as a thirteen-year-old girl, pretty impressive. Yeah. What amazed me the most was how much she had developed. She played a huge role in apparently Whedon's run of Astonishing X-Men. And I had to go and find a couple of quotes. Apparently, Astonishing X-Men is now having Kitty Pride be the co-headmistress of the Jean Grey school. Ooh, Yeah, so it's cool seeing like Kitty Pride be like this young 13-year-old girl who's like one going through puberty learning her superhero powers, hiding the fact that she's Jewish because she wasn't sure how people were going to treat it, especially like when she was first made, a lot of things are being dealt with like Hitler and World War II. So mm-hmm. I think they weren't ready to fully test a young female who is also Jewish. Yeah. Like that would be tough. Yeah, like I didn't even know that because they never touch on it. And I think at one point Katie Pride addresses the fact that being Jewish isn't what, isn't what makes her, but it's a huge part of her, yes. and she shouldn't have to, like, hide it or tell people. Like, yes. it's her choice how she navigates her life as a Jewish person. Yes. So I think that's neat. But the fact that she started out as this young 13-year-old girl who didn't know much, 
and now she's a co-headmistress of a Jean Grey all-girls school for freaking young mutants. I think is just incredibly interesting seeing that. She's also grown to be a fantastic leader, apparently, and an admirable headmistress, according to Whedon. She plays a big role as Professor Kitty in the all-new X-Men series. Mm. Whedon said if Charles Xavier was still alive for those runs for those comics he quotes that charles xavier would be really proud because obviously charles xavier is the one that kind of like saw her grow from 13 and now she's mid 30s and she's like a headmistress i think that's really neat Another reason why I think she's super awesome is her relationships and interactions with others. So the two that I mainly want to mention are Colossus and Wolverine. Mm -hmm. One, love Wolverine. Yes. Just love him. (laughs) Yeah. For all the listeners out there, I'm pretty sure there's no superhero closer to Fonda's precious heart than Mr. Wolverine. I love him so much. One day I'll talk about him, but that's not today. Well, kind of talking about him, but not in the same way. And then Colossus, because I think so many runs are with Colossus and Kitty Pride. Colossus is super cool. He's yeah. one of my husband's favorite characters. <laughs> Don't you have a statue of him? We do. We have multiple around our house. <laughs> maybe one day we'll have to have him talk about Colossus as like a bonus episode. Mm, maybe. Oh. Anyways, back to Kitty Pride, the main, the main person and female powerhouse of this episode. So Colossus being the romantic relationship for Kitty Pride, while Wolverine is the father-daughter relationship for Kitty Pride. Her relationship with Colossus is one of my favorites, mainly just because they both sort of grew together. I believe they, because she was so young and I believe he's Mm -hmm. still kind of quite older than her in some of the series. So I can imagine it was more like a blossoming friendship, like mentorship. Mm -hmm. And the fact that from there it grew as a love interest, I think is kind of cool because it's not like she was pining after him since she was like 13 when she first came out in the comics. Yeah. It wasn't until I believe she was in her twenties or so that she really started getting into a relationship with Colossus. I just like the fact that he respects her and she respects him and they're not like out they're not trying to outdo one another. Which yeah. is nice. They're a team. Yeah, they're a team. They're a unit and they do a lot of missions together. I know that they're not really together right now in current comics. But I still think it's one of my favorites for her because, Mm. one, it wasn't toxic. Like, there wasn't anything that they were both doing to each other that made it, like, a negative or or poor example of a relationship. Mm -hmm. A lot of it was just, like, they were a team. They were a unit. They did well together in the workforce, quote-unquote, and outside of the workforce. (laughs) And then I believe one of the main reasons they broke up was because Kitty needed to do more like she and she ends yeah. up going into outer space and she becomes <laughs> one of the guardians of the galaxy amazing i know and she ends up becoming star lord because the actual star lord oh, yeah just fuck, i remember like, that he just, excuse my language he beefs it like no one <laughs> knows what happens he's just gone and kitty's like i got this and i'm like you go you lead a team of badasses because you're also a badass i love this yeah as for Wolverine, the other relationship I really like. She was one of the first that Logan took under his wing. I 
know for me the one that I knew most commonly was his relationship with Rogue, mm-hmm. which is also one of my favorite relationships in Marvel history. Just how like I just I just love Wolverine being a father mentor mm-hmm. and so I, parental. He's I know, and but at the same time he's kind of like that dad that you're like you know maybe if they were five you wouldn't do so well with toddlers, but yeah, like he kind of hates it. Yeah, but, but he's he does begrudging. a good job. Yeah, and he does a really good job with Kitty. One of the reasons I like it is because Wolverine, at one point in time, goes up to Kitty when she's having a hard time. She's not sure about the decisions she's making as a team leader. She doesn't sure if she needs to stay at the Charles Xavier School or not anymore. She's trying to like navigate that. She's just not having any of Wolverine's shit at one point, but he just flat out says to her, he's like, you deserve better and you can do better. Oh, And I'm just like... That's amazing. Yeah. Like, I don't know exactly if that was a moment when showrunners or writers and artists decided that they wanted to do more with her, but I thought that moment for her character helps me view her better in the way she's written now in comics. Mm-hmm. Because this male father figure was like, I think you can do amazing things, and you don't need to be held by a school that you love just because you feel the need to be loyal to it like you can move on and do other things and people would still be proud of you which leans back to the whole joss whedon thing with him saying that he thinks charles xavier would be proud of kitty now the next thing i want to talk about is later on when kitty gets one of the head positions in the dream Jean gray high school for higher learning i guess like she she talks to Wolverine about something and he's like, yeah, I don't know why I'm doing this shit anymore. I like, I really shouldn't be <laughs> teaching kids, but here I am. And then I think Kitty Pride's just like, you actually do really great. Don't yeah. like, sell yourself short. And I'm like, oh, that's so cute. Like it comes full circle. Anyways, I think she's just awesome with all her interactions with most characters. I love her as much as some of the X-Men movies kind of suck. <laughs> I really just a few. Just a few. Mm-hmm. I really liked her in the X-Men series. Especially there's that one scene when the juggernaut's running yes. and Katie Pride just like pulls him down. I thought that was amazing. Just seeing this young girl who doesn't have that much body strength just use her power to her advantage to a bigger predator. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just like sink him in the ground. Like he still comes yeah. out of it. But the point yeah. is is like and well, not just her power, but her brain. Yeah. Like, she's clearly not stupid. No. So she finds a way to use her powers in a way that they are going to be most effective without necessarily having to use her actual body strength. She uses her mental strength. Yeah. She, I think, is really good at not only reading other people she cares about, but reading her opponents. Mm-hmm. I think that's something that is admirable in any team player. <laughs> mm-hmm. Intuitive. In, yes, intuitive. Unlike other super heroines, she's not overly dramatic, which I think, as young Fonda would say, was amazing mm-hmm. and freaking adorable and was a great influence because I feel like half the time when I was younger, Either I saw female characters be overly dramatic and, like, off the wall, or they were, like, strict and stern. There was no in-between. 
Yeah. And so I like how a lot of the time she's written as being in between. Like, she has a good head on her shoulders. She knows when to be emotional and she knows when not to be emotional. Mm-hmm. And I really like that about her, mainly because I know for me, I'm a very emotional person. <laughs> and so learning and reading and just like watching Kitty Pride make decisions. And being like, I know when I can use my emotion to like influence what I'm doing and I know when I need to take a step back and separate myself from it, I think is really admirable and a quality I want to try to get. Yeah. And so that's something I also just, I just, I can't, I just love her. She is adorable and amazing. The other thing I like is she's in, in newer comics, she doesn't come off as being over-sexualized. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that, because her costumes kind of throughout the history have always been pretty covered uh, in comparison to yeah. her like from cohorts. Head to toe, basically, she has like a full body suit, which I'm, in my opinion, I wonder if it's because of her powers, like she needs to have that like maybe it helps her just because i know that there are some superheroes that have costumes that either help and some superheroes have costumes that just they're just there for show yeah but she has never once had an over sexualized outfit the one thing i do know though is she had a lot of over sexualized poses in some (laughs) in some comic covers but not so much anymore yes i think they're getting a little bit more aware of the fact that, you know, their entire demographic isn't male anymore. Yeah, and I think it's fine. It's like, you can be sexy and confident, but your confidence doesn't mean you have to hold a sexy pose that's unrealistic. Yeah, the TNA pose. Yes. Tits and ass. Oh my god. <laughs> I think there's this one cover of her, because she's quite smaller than Colossus, mm-hmm. and it's like one of them one of the covers where they're going out and they're doing some sort of like team activity i didn't read it just because the cover is over sexualized in my opinion how she's like holding him and part of her body is phased into her crotch and like other parts of her body are not i'm just like why do you know know the one you're talking talking about about. yes i do (laughs) it's just i don't understand like that's i don't like that i don't like how they use her powers to like hide certain parts of her body to make it sexualized. I think it was like her abdomen was like phased into his crotch and I was like, why? Yeah. Like I don't I don't understand. And then like why is she coming out and like wrapping her arms behind her head just to get around his neck? I just, it just didn't make sense. I just didn't understand it. I know we're talking about Kitty Pride specifically but the X-Men on a whole have seemed yeah. to be a pretty prevalent part in so many people of our age's lives and hopefully people younger than us and, mm-hmm. well, I imagine older than us. I was wondering how you feel about the use of mutants as a allegory for puberty. When I was younger, I don't think I thought much about it. Mm-hmm. Can I ask you more what you're trying to, like, what do you mean by an allegory yeah. for puberty? Do you feel like it actually connected with you? Because I know that that was the intention of Spider-Man when he got his kind of powers. It was very much so like, your body's changing, things are different. Which was very, I found very obvious with Spider-Man, but the X-Men never really seemed to kind of hit it over the head. So I was just wondering if you ever received those messages watching it as a young kid. Not as a young kid. Or if you just thought it was fun. (laughs) Not as a young kid. And I think that's... Because I didn't really start watching the X-Men TV shows until 
until I was, I think, in grade nine and eight. I was like still kind of going through puberty, so I feel maybe if I was watching the show when I was younger, mm-hmm. maybe I could have felt it resonated with me in some way. But looking back on it now, I really don't think it was obvious that they were trying to connect with a younger audience based off of, you know, your body's changing and these things are happening. And I think that's just because kids know that it's a fantasy. It's like, it's like not real. It's fiction. And I already thought puberty was scary enough. (laughs) If anything, if someone had told me like, yeah, when you go through puberty, you're going to get a funky, cool superpower. I'd be like, at least that's the good thing because now I'm bleeding once every month. Like I don't need that. My stuff, my guts eat themselves. My guts eat themselves, but Hey, at least I have telepathy. So, (laughs) so there's a plus. Yeah. So Um, I don't think it connected with me. Yeah. What about you? Do you feel like I feel like, in my mind, it connected with me on more of a um, accepting people for who they are kind of level, watching it as a kid, because they do touch on a lot of difficult topics, specifically with things, like you said, with the Jewish community, Mm -hmm. because there are quite a few X-Men who are Jewish, and some even were alive during the Holocaust and things like that. I feel like it's a really good example of... A bunch of people finding their place in the world and showing you that hate doesn't really help, especially with these characters that you get to watch and you get to watch them grow and stuff. And they're exiled for simply being who they are, but they still find a family. So I think I found that to hit hard a little bit more than the puberty aspect of it was just the don't be mean to people who are different. (laughs) And if you do, you're going to possibly have people turn out to be like Magneto. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. I also wanted to ask you about her new phasing through realities. Was oh, that what my you God. Said? Yeah. Yeah. How do you feel about X-Men's issue with overpowering some of their characters and then having to balance that in the rest of their world? <laughs> I th- so the one thing I do like is how they're not afraid to challenge and be like, yeah, the character learned that they were able to do this new cool thing. Like, mm-hmm. I think it's neat that they allowed Kitty Pride to learn how to face through different planes of existence. Like, I think that's a neat aspect of her power. I haven't seen it yet used in anything, mainly because <laughs> I think it's insanely overpowered. I think they do a good job balancing her Because there are a few times that I see, like, for example, her power does have limitations. Like, she can't breathe while she's phasing. I didn't know that. Yeah, so whenever she's hiding, like, she has to come out for air. and She has to, obviously, like, practice holding her breath. Probably, like, swimmers. I imagine she probably has to, like, practice deep breathing and, like, making sure she's not overexerting herself. Mm -hmm. Because if she runs out of breath while she's phasing, she's just gonna... She's just not going to be there. Just stuck between atoms. Yeah. I can only imagine how painful that would be. Yes. There's this one comic spread and Kitty Pride basically like exerted herself while holding a giant bullet that was going through Earth. Ooh. And she made it intangible. Mm-hmm. Because she can touch other things and make it intangible. But yeah. I think at the end of it, she was like unconscious and 
I believe someone said she was like in a coma for a period of time. So like there's certain yeah. things that cause her mm-hmm. to like if she tries to be overpowered. Yeah, they balance she, it. Yeah, they they balance it. So I think they do a great job with her. Okay. I don't quite know how that works with her phasing through other planes of existence. Mm-hmm. Because again, like she has to, she has to breathe. So like, what if she goes into a, a place that doesn't have air? Like I, mm-hmm. so it makes me wonder like how they're gonna balance that out. But I do think that the more that they try to test the waters with a mutant character's abilities, they need to figure out how to balance it. Yes, I'm going to quickly say that Jean Grey's powers are insanely OP. Just a yeah. Just a dash. And I know some people could argue and say that it's because of the Phoenix. Yes. Which is like this entity that like wants to go through Jean Grey. But still, the point is, is Jean Grey already had insane powers. And the Phoenix was drawn to her. And mm-hmm. just made her even more OP. Didn't really make me resonate with her. Because I was like, I don't know. I don't see her really have any having any challenges like what does she Mm -hmm. have to overcome really yeah when you have an overpowered character what do they have to overcome or what sort of sacrifices do they have to make for using such an overpowered ability kitty pride has sacrifices because she has for one breathing is like one of her weaknesses when she's using her powers second is if she's overusing her intangibility she becomes more vulnerable because like she'll like get unconscious or she's like overly exerting herself like a mm-hmm. normal person do you feel like maybe her her flaws and her challenges are what kind of draws you to the character? Yeah, I like seeing a character struggle. I know for Kitty Pride, especially when it came to Guardians of the Galaxy, I believe her relationship with Peter Quill was sort of something she had to overcome too. And I think it's because in any aspect of a character's life, seeing them overcoming a struggle and coming mm-hmm. out on top and looking beaten and looking like they they just got through hell and back but they're still able to have a human aspect to them yes. is nice and kitty pride to me is still very much so human regardless of her power yeah. while as i don't know like I, I look at superman and i'm like you're already an alien like you're not like you were raised on earth and so a lot of he can have human compassion and he obviously likes earth and he protects it but for the most part i feel like it's easier to connect with somebody who has that true base in something you yeah have felt right and some people i imagine probably connect with superman more than we do oh for sure i bet you maybe anyone that's been um adopted or raised could be like yeah like i don't Mm -hmm. know who my parents are and i got raised by someone else that loved me like i could see that being a connection with superman i could also see how Superman could make other people want to better themselves. Mm-hmm. Like, I can see that, but... He's also a... I believe a... Started by two... I think it was two Jewish boys. He was created as a... As a Jewish story, basically. Of Aww. somebody who's an outsider being brought into America. And... Oh, yeah, I, found I didn't that know really that. Interesting. Yeah, so, yeah like, so it's very much a... Like an immigrant outsider story in the same way that X-Men is, but... It might just honestly be the the power disconnect and something for us simply being women. Like it's a little harder for us to yeah connect with this character that that represents 
everything a man should be. Right? Kind of like, like good, Captain America. Strong, yeah. honest, all those like amazing qualities that you want in your superheroes. Yeah. But yeah, so I just I just really like how she struggles and I like that her powers I think are balanced for her. And at least how with the writers she's have re- like received. Um, Wasn't I, she the one who sent Wolverine back in time? In the, in in the, the movie? X-Men? I know. She, and I was like, the, when do you have that power? I feel like that... So was that not from the comics at all? T- you know? Not to my knowledge. Like, <laughs> I, I don't know where they got that. Maybe it was like a creative license sort of thing. Maybe mm-hmm. they were talking to people and being like, you think this is something she could do? Like, could it be... Yeah. An ability of hers, but well, I'm pretty sure there's another X Men that can travel through time. I imagine they might not have just wanted to add another yeah. character, but yeah, they needed a, they needed a character to do something, and Kitty Pride was that character yeah. for them. Kind of a little hokey. I know. I was like, know. What is happening? <laughs> I'm gonna stick my fingers in your brain and bring you back in time. There we go. <laughs> but basically, I just like how Kitty Pride can be humble. She can be a badass and I think one thing that's amazing about her is how kind she is Mm -hmm. like I always see her being really kind especially to Nightcrawler do you remember in the TV show how they always had this like adorable friendship and he was kind of crushing on her yeah and she didn't reciprocate it but she was always kind to him she was never like ugh I'm like better than you or yeah. or I'm putting you in the friend zone sort of thing. Yeah. It was just like I just don't like you, but it's not because of the fact that you're blue and you have yeah. a tail. It's just how I feel. It's just how I feel and we can still be friends and work through that and I think mm. that's really nice. Their relationship was also super cute cuz he got over that too, right? Yeah. Like they both just respected each other and cared about their friendship above everything else and it was adorable. I know, it was so cute. So I think Katie Pride in the current comic issues could be a huge role model for so many young girls mm-hmm. and I would love to see them make an actual movie or something with her one showing her be able to do all these badass things but then after she does it show her being able to like take an A and be like I did my one thing I might pass out yeah so please just like let yeah. me be and have another character shine I just love her personality. Like in the TV shows, I always remember her being smart and funny, and she kind of like had snide comments, especially to freaking Cyclops because he was the leader alongside Jean yeah. Grey. And like so many times she'd say something, and she's like, fine, okay, don't listen to me. And then I just really liked that about her. Some really fun facts that I think are neat that I didn't know. So these are things I had no idea. She has a PhD in astrophysics. Oh, wow. I know. I was like, girl, on top of being a computer genius, a martial arts expert, and you're like the headmistress of the Jean Grey school for gifted people. Yes. Like, that's dope. Her first appearance was in the Uncanny X-Men issue in, I believe, number 129. 13 was the age for her first appearance and now she's being in like her mid-20s mid-30s for current comic issues so she's been aged quite a bit i don't know when they decided to age her up i 
couldn't find an exact comic that was like, oh, she's no longer 13. She's mm-hmm. now, she's like jumped a period of time. She was co-created by artist and writer John Byerny. I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing his name. Google couldn't help me figure out how to pronounce his last name. And Chris <laughs> Claremont. Um, they created a bunch of other mutant superheroes, but I think they did a really great job with creating the base for Kitty Pride. And it was Ellen Page who played Kitty Pride in the Fox yes. movie franchise. I would love to see her pick up the role again. Yes. Uh, she became a member of the Guardians of the Galaxy in the comics. And as I said, at one point she became the new Star-Lord. Mm-hmm. So apparently, this is a quote, Joss Whedon's favorite X-Men is Kitty Pride. Oh, yay. And I'm like, so are you going to make a movie with her then? Yeah, because holy get shit. Get to it. <laughs> get to it, sir. Kitty is one of the female heroines that apparently he cited as inspiration for his vision of Buffy. Awesome. <laughs> I know. So he wanted someone who was heroic, but still took the time to be a teenage girl. And to him, yes. that was Kitty Pride. And so Kitty Pride inspired Buffy, who I know you want to talk I about. I cannot wait to talk about Buffy. That's going to be like excessively long. I'm I way know. Too much. So I'm excited to see the parallels because like Kitty mm-hmm. Pride, I think, and Buffy have like, I think they could have positive similarities, but they're yes. also very different different they are very different but they do have yeah they have a very similar story where they're put into this place where they have to be they have to be better than what is expected of them you know buffy lives in the hellmouth and has to fight demons and she's the chosen one it doesn't really have a choice yeah and kitty pride's been born with a mutant power she didn't get to pick she starts out just wanting to go through high school and then she uses that to be a badass role model yes so i think that's dope Mm -hmm. so i was looking through all her past relationships like romantic relationships she has a things for guys named peter (laughs) yeah many of the guys she's dated have been named peter and i think that's just kind of funny she's also trained in ballet and modern dance Something else I didn't know, mainly because mm-hmm. I could see that going hand in hand with her martial arts abilities. Yes. So, like, it makes yeah. sense. And did you know that Kitty Pride is multilingual? No, I didn't. Kitty Pride can speak the following languages. She's fluent in Japanese, Russian, the royal and standard languages of the Shi'ar, 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 I really yeah. hope I'm saying that correctly, yes. Empire. And Skrullos, so she can speak Skrull. Awesome. And she has a moderate expertise in Gaelic and knows some profanities in Hebrew. (laughs) (laughs) The best kind of words to know. The best kind of words are profanities. And then there's this article that I quickly want to talk about. And it's just this person who I'm going to quote here. His name is Vedant Daswain. Sure doing my best yes so it's from uh quora.com basically it's a website where people can go to talk about multiple comic characters and they do like articles and they write about them oh cool and so this one came out in 2016 okay because someone was wondering if shadow cat so kitty pride was potentially one of the most dangerous mutants Mm-hmm. Because she can phase through solid objects, which yes. goes back to, like, is she overpowered? Yes. He's discussing about it because he's 
says that Kitty Pride isn't shown to do so. She isn't shown to be the most dangerous. But if someone was to actually take away her limitations, she could be an exceptional assassinator and an extremely lethal mutant. Yes. If you take away all of the limitations that have been written for her as a character. Including the moral ones. Including the moral ones. However, the problem that he talks about is like the portrayal of her abilities is that they're largely portrayed as defensive or for survival purposes. Okay. As an example of like her offensive powers, um, she can combine her combat skills with her ability to phase. So at one point, there's this one comic where, (laughs) what's her name? Emma Frost. Yes. So she's like looking at a mirror and she's like basically checking herself out. And all of a sudden a hand just punches through the mirror (laughs) and then pulls her and like whacks her face against the mirror and like legs are kicking out. And it's just like basically Kitty Pryde, (laughs) like stealthily materialized (laughs) on the opposite side of this mirror wall and is like kicking <laughs> kicking Emma Frost's ass with in combination her martial arts skills. Mm-hmm. So I think that's really neat and I think that's amazing. And then another thing that she has for offensive abilities is physical disruption. So she can face through solid objects including bones and then damage them. Oh. So like Yikes. if she was to rematerialize. Yeah. She could like really kill someone she never does though there's a couple times where she like threatens to do so like at one point she's holding an axe and it's phased between a gentleman's jugular and she's like I can leave this here but she never does like she never does it's always to show that she has the power Yeah, she can she chooses not yeah she chooses not to and I think that's really amazing and so again like that just goes into the fact that like she has all these offensive abilities with her power but how she's written and how she's drawn in comics it's always for like defensive Mm -hmm. capabilities like she's always defending a group of people she's always helping other people face through something she's always doing those sort of things she's never like outwardly using it to harm other people which i think just goes into her combat prowess Mm -hmm. i think she knows how to use the environment around her and her opponent's weaknesses Mm -hmm. to make her like reactionary almost yeah yeah Exactly. Like, I think she could totally (laughs) do one up on the Hulk if she Mm. tried. The Hulk obviously is, like, insanely strong and could, if Kitty didn't have the power to phase, really do a beating on her. Yeah. But because Kitty could, like, use his strength, kind of like I picture John Wick, for example. Mm. John Wick uses his opponent's movements against them so a lot of times like he'll go like he'll purposely get hit or something will purposely happen and then he'll use the momentum of what they're doing to help him do another attack back at them i think kitty does the same sort of thing with her power yes yeah and i I think that's neat but he goes on to talk about a bunch of other ways that she can use her ability like one she can phase enemies into other objects cool cool Two, her peak of her powers is phasing 
planet-sized objects. <laughs> so this has been shown only a few times, but what it means is that if a writer wants to, he could basically make Kitty Pride turn an entire building or even the surface intangible and let gravity do the rest. Yikes. And I'm just like, my girl. Wow, that's a you, lot. She could be so insanely OP, but it's because of her limitations that make her grounded as a person. And it's because yes. of how, the again, like to quote the guy, he's like, if writers wanted to. Mm-hmm. Writers are choosing not to make her overpowered. Mm-hmm. And I love that. It's great knowing she's a smart she, choice. It's so smart. It's great knowing she could be this badass, overpowered female character. But the fact that they're, again, as you said, making a smart choice and they're doing the wise decision of not doing that makes her, I think, one of the best female X Men characters to date, in my mm-hmm. opinion. She's pretty awesome. She's pretty dope. So if any of our listeners want to go find more, read more about Kitty Pride, do you have any like specific comic runs or something that they could look up? I know of one, Ooh. but I'm sure you have a couple as well. Yes, I have a list of them. So I have 10. Okay. So I'm going to start from 10 being, it's good. But number one will be the best. So number 10 is called Gifted. It's Astonishing X-Men issue number one to six. It has a sexualized pose as a cover. Most do. the best, but the story itself is pretty good. Joss Whedon and John Cassidy's opening storyline on Astonishing X-Men spotlighted Kitty Pride as she rejoined the X-Men after retiring from superheroing and crime fighting to pursue a normal life. But cool. Cyclops convinces her to return. So that's kind of like a little tidbit about that one's about. Her return to the X-Mansion brings back loads of memories for Kitty Pride, but things get even more crazy for her when she reunites with Colossus. So that's kind of dope. Um, the next one after that, so what I have as number nine, is God Loves, Man Kills, Marvel graphic novel number five. Okay. Um, so it's a classic graphic novel by Cl- uh, Chris Claremont, who is one of the creators of Kitty Pride, oh, cool. and yeah. then Brent Anderson. And Kitty Pride famously debates the anti-mutant religious zealot Reverend Stryker on live television. And he denounces Nightcrawler as a non-human, and Kitty retorts that he is more human than you. And so it just goes mm. to her like defending the them classifying like oh if you look like a human and you're a mutant it's okay but yeah. if you don't look like a human and you're a mutant then it's like you're not human yeah then there's a problem yeah and so that one is really good the next one is called mechanics m e k oh i've read that one yes. so good okay issues 1 to 6 so it's again by chris claremont juan bobillo i'm so sorry if i'm saying any of these names incorrectly. Um, we try. Marcelo Sosa, and they show Kitty trying to adjust to life as a typical genius college student in Chicago. Oh. And it's her basically dealing with anti-mutant hate groups in her school and how she has to deal with the change of life being from a high school student living with Charles Xavier's Academy and now being a college student. The next one is God Spared the Child. It's X-Men issues number 129 to 131. While part of the Dark Phoenix saga, this three 
partner, I think, is really distinct from other ones because, especially in issue th uh, number 132, things really get real. And Chris Claremont, again, John Bryan, who's also event, um, invented Kitty Pride, so both mm -hmm. of them are writing this issue. And then Terry Austin, they introduce the world to Kitty Pride. She ends up meeting like Emma Frost, the Hellfire Club, and they both try to recruit Kitty Pride to join their side. So this is sort of like a POV and how Kitty Pride tries to stress that she's like, normal, I'm normal, but then all these people are trying to <laughs> get her to be a part of their group. So I think that one's just like fun, if anything. An older one is Kitty's Fairy Tale. Uncanny X-Men issue 153. So in this delightful issue, again by Chris Claremont and Dave Cockrum and Joe Rubenstein, um, basically Kitty tells a fairy tale to Colossus's kid sister. Oh, and it's super cute. So I highly recommend that one if you just want something adorable where Kitty's being a really good female figure to a younger child. Yes. Check it out. Um, we're halfway through my list. <laughs> Unstoppable, number 19 to 24, and the giant size, astonishing X-Men number one. So they kind of go mm -hmm. hand in hand. This cover is the one that has her pet lockhead on it. Oh, yes. <laughs> it's so cute. But Joss Whedon wrote this one, and John Cassidy. And basically, they're, they're finishing their run with Kitty Pride literally taking a bullet for the universe it's the one i talk about yes where a giant magical bullet is being shot at the earth but kitty phases it mm -hmm. so i really want someone to check that one out if you're interested in seeing how powerful she can be mm -hmm. but only used in certain situations uh next one is professor x is a jerk uncanny <laughs> x-men issue number 168 chris claremont is writing it and then paul smith and bob Wykeck. Again, so sorry about any of these names. But they're coming to terms with the fact that while the X-Men were in outer space for a time, Professor X had decided to restart the school group with a new mutants, all of Kitty's age. Ooh. Naturally, Xavier believes that Kitty's place is with the new mutants and not with the current team she was on. So Kitty pleads her case to Xavier to show that she can, even though she's younger, she can still stay with the team. And so that series is just like her going through a bunch of trials and tests to show how impressive she is. Number three, we're getting close to my number one, Kitty <laughs> Pride and Wolverine, issue number one to six. So, in this sequel to the first Wolverine miniseries, Kitty Pride travels to Japan to rescue her father and finds herself captured and corrupted by the evil Ogun. Ooh. She is trained as a ninja and sent to fight Wolverine, her father oh, figure. Wow. <laughs> Eventually, Wolverine frees her from her brainwashing and they both take on Ogun. And... While Kitty has been violated by Ogun, like, mentally, she will repay him by killing him, question mark? Ooh, it's sort of a comic... Those question marks. I know. It's <laughs> sort of... I, I don't want to give too much spoilers, but I think it's a good moral one where she's figuring out if she should take the high road mm -hmm. or take the low road, learning through her character. So that's a good one. Mm -hmm. Number two, Days of Future Past, not... <laughs> The movie. Not the movie. X-Men number 141 and also Uncanny X-Men issue number 142. 
So it's a classic X-Men tale from John Bryan and Chris Claremont and also Terry Austin. Basically, it has an adult Kitty Pride comes back through time mm-hmm. to convince the X-Men to help her f- to prevent the death of Senator Robert Kelly. <laughs> and that's it. That's it. That's that. <laughs> time travel. Time travel. And number one, the one I think is really great, and it has her classic costume Ooh. as the cover. It's pretty dope. But she's fighting this alien creature. Like, whenever I look at it, like, I'll show you right now. That's the cover. Oh, Doesn't awesome. it look like aliens? Uh, it does look like an alien from Aliens. Uh, anyway, so de- it's titled Demon Uncanny X-Men issue number 143. So it's the last issue that Brian, Claremont, and Austin did together. Um, however, the next issue is a one-off where Kitty Pride is alone at the X-Mansion on Christmas Eve when a demon attacks. <laughs> I just think that's adorable. It just sounds so fun. <laughs> I know. It's just like, like on the cover it says, guess what just came down the chimney and I'm just like oh my god (laughs) there's a lot more comics especially now like you could read a lot of runs of Kitty one being Star-Lord like that's a Mm -hmm. cool another cool space adventure but I think if you want to get some classics in buy the original creators of Kitty Pride that set her up for being amazing Mm -hmm. I would check those ones out and check at your local comic book shops first Definitely check out your local comic book shops first. If they don't have it at your local comic book shop, I know that you can get like comic book subscriptions online. Yes. By yeah, Marvel, there are lots so. of sites and stuff that you can go to and you can read them, but supporting local is always the best because those little shops do a lot for everybody and they put a lot of effort in. I'm actually going to mention one of my favorite Please lines do. of comics. It's not specifically focused on Kitty Pride, but, but she's as, in it. She's in it. And as far as this podcast is concerned, it's probably a pretty great list and I'm sure we would love it. But it's actually the first time that the X-Men team is all women. It was released in 2013. Dope. You can start with X-Men number one from, I believe it was May 2013. And the team includes Storm as the leader, Rogue, Jubilee, Kitty Pride, Rachel Gray, and Psylocke. So it's this like powerhouse woman team. And I'll read you the explanation for the first comic. Because you demanded it, the ex-women finally get their own book from critically acclaimed superstars Brian Wood and Oliver Koipel. An old enemy shows up at the X-Men's door, seeking asylum from an ancient evil come back to Earth. Meanwhile, Jubilee has come home, and she's brought with her an orphaned baby who might hold the key to the Earth's survival, or its destruction. Against a backdrop of what seems like an alien invasion and an eons-spanning war between brother and sister, Storm steps up and puts together a team to protect the child and stop a new threat that could destroy all life on Earth. It's an awesome story. I, I read, read a bunch it. of it. It's so good. I have like all the comics and their original issues. <laughs> and it's so good. And you really do. It's nice seeing all of these women, these power, extremely powerful women get together and join forces and do so much stuff. Like it handles a lot of the other mutant relations and they end up, I believe this is the run where they have... To move the mutant academy to an alternate dimension because people are getting so violent on earth that they have to run away so storm leads them all to like 
a new dimension where they can be safe, but they can still travel back to the other world. And it's really, it's such a cool story. Yeah, getting to see these women highlighted in such a way is so cool, and Kitty Pride is amazing in it. So, you know, their costumes are all also actually designed to look like clothes. <gasps> yeah. Even you know, they can, they can all wear bras and not have any straps showing. So there's that, which is should be, <laughs> you know, number one on your costume design. <laughs> but yeah, that's the one nice. that you should all you could also read. If you wanted something new, it's a good it's a good run. Even if you just want to get introduced to other female characters, not Kitty Pride. Exactly. Exactly. <sighs> Well, that's why I love Katie Pride. I feel like I was all over the place, and that's just because mentally I was like, what do I talk about? I just love her. I have so many mental points. And I, I feel there's so much with comic book characters. There's just so much life that you can't really cover it all. Especially because sometimes they can redo things they can pull a mulligan Mm -hmm. so there's probably been a few mulligans and so i apologize if maybe something i said wasn't currently accurate to canon but i'm just talking about reasons why i think she's amazing to me Mm -hmm. and those are the reasons that stood out anyways so allison before we end off this show can you please tell me what you're currently excited about so what i'm currently excited about is that In time for Game of Thrones, we decided to buy television for a couple months because usually we just rock the Netflix. So while we're having TV, I had some on-demand stuff and I actually binge-watched the first two seasons of The Handmaid's Tale. Oh. So good. We'll definitely talk about it eventually. It's going to be probably a pretty depressing and pretty hard conversation because that show covers a lot of hard topics. There'll be some certainly major trigger warnings, but it's... It's an incredible show. I would suggest watching it because it was amazing. All the acting in it is awesome. There are very few male characters and all of the women drive the story, but they're being controlled by the men. So it's really quite interesting because their actions are controlled so much, but they're finding ways to still be themselves in a world where that's not okay anymore. And it's really, it's a really fascinating show. And I enjoyed it and cried a lot. <laughs> oh, I hope to hear you talk yes. about it in the future episode, maybe? Yes, definitely. <laughs> okay, dope. Okay, so thank you, everybody, for listening. You can find us wherever podcasts can be found. Please make sure to rate and subscribe if you haven't already. You can follow us on Tumblr, Twitter, and Instagram at WenchBenchPod. And if you want to reach out, you can send us an email at wenchbenchpod at gmail.com. All of the art for the Wench Bench was designed by the wonderful Tessa Joyce Reekin. You can find her on Twitter at Wherevile. Thanks for listening and talk to you soon. Bye! Bye!